0: Papa is brought to you by Just Some Podcast Video. Dun, da, da, da. The views on this podcast are those solely of the host and do not represent the views or opinions of any other institution. <laughs>
1: this episode is sponsored by Echo. Hear clearly, care confidently. Learn more at EchoHealth.com. That's E K O Health.com. And use code PAPA. For 10% off, the stethoscope of your choice.
0: Nurse Papa!
1: Nurse Papa! Welcome to Nurse Papa, a podcast from the heart and mind of a pediatric oncology nurse and father. In each episode, I take a deep dive into a story of parenthood, or I tackle a parenting question from one of my loyal listeners in a segment called Dear Nurse Papa. In either case, I hope to come out on the other side with a better understanding of what makes kids and their parents tick. Before we get to this very special episode of Nurse Papa, let's hear from our sponsor, Echo Health, the company behind the products that are helping nurses and doctors hear better. When I listen to little hearts and lungs at work, I use my 3M Littman Core digital stethoscope. Powered with advanced Echo Core technology. With the press of a button, the sounds I hear can be enhanced 40 times from this to this. Learn more at EchoHealth.com. That's E K O Health.com. And use code PAPA for 10% off the stethoscope of your choice. Wow! this is the 31st episode of the nurse papa podcast you've heard many exciting and often dubious stories of parenthood so far oh yeah hopefully you've also benefited and laughed (laughs) at the cheeky advice i have given to moms and dads who have so bravely written dear nurse papa well all that will certainly continue But in the interest of remaining relevant, and also to prevent myself from getting too bored, I have decided to add a novel element to the Nurse Papa podcast. Hmm? I think it might be a good time to bring in some new voices to the space, and some new ideas too. Hmm. In that spirit, I will be sharing some spirited conversations between myself and various experts all in the effort to help enhance your journeys as parents or people.
2: Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) You're welcome. In the coming months, you'll hear from a nurse and New York Times bestselling author about her journey through our modern medical paradigm. You will also benefit from the wisdom of a talented writer who is also a climate activist and educator. But today, to ease on into this new realm, I will be sharing a conversation between myself and the host of a just amazing podcast called Modern Dadhood. Mark and Adam of the Modern Dadhood podcast have interviewed many amazing dad guests, well-known comedians, writers, journalists, and thinkers of our time. And back in 2021, they interviewed me. I don't know, maybe they were desperate, maybe they were bored. In any case, it was a really great conversation. Mark and Adam have graciously allowed me to share that episode with you. So sit back, relax, and get ready for some laughs, some tears, and everything in between. This is the Modern Dadhood Podcast.
2: Modern. Modern. Dadhood. Modern. Dadhood. Podcast. David is a nurse in the Pediatric Oncology Department at UCSF Children's Hospital. He's a dad to two children. Uh, He's the brain behind Nurse Papa the Podcast and an author of the recently published book of the same name. David, thank you so much for joining us on the show.
1: Adam, Mark, thanks for having me. Congratulations on the new
3: book. It's really exciting. I would love for you to start before we get into sort of the book and the podcast. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your family and, you know, who you are as
1: a dad, first and foremost. Yeah, I do have two kids. Uh, I have a four-year-old boy who's actually turning five. I have a six-year-old daughter. And, you know, who am I as a dad? Um, it's an evolving thing for me. I feel like to be a parent, you always have to be changing yourself and with your kids. And it's always um, shooting from the hip for me. And in in that way, it's been really exciting and horribly difficult at the same time.
2: (laughs) Shooting from the hip sounds very familiar. And I don't know about you, but sometimes my aim is really bad. Yep. All right. So, David, what compelled you to write this book? Was there a particular uh, moment in time where you sort of thought, oh, I need to write a book Or was this a long sort of drawn out, you know, you were acquiring little tidbits and little stories here and there. And over time, you just thought, maybe I could put it together in something like a book.
1: I mean, it was definitely a long drawn out process and it took me five years to finish it up. But there was a clarifying moment where I realized that a story needed to be told. I'm a pediatric oncology nurse, so I take care of kids with cancer and I was uh, taking care of this young man who... I accepted as a patient earlier that day and you know he came in for um a liver transplant that was supposed to be like his new lease on life he was going to hopefully say goodbye to being a chronically ill person and have a new life and it turns out you know before that could occur the doctors found like a giant tumor wrapped around his liver so his reality was just completely changed not only was he not going to get his transplant he was going to die you know we encounter this all the time where we work it's you know this these existential crises that these kids and their parents face. And, you know, we're used to it, but they're not. He totally shut down this kid. He was 15. Uh, his name was Jason. And over the course of two weeks, he, he really became just the pain. That's That's the face he presented to the world. And it was so hard for me to break through. And I was often the nurse who was taking care of him. You know, he had like this cadre of family around him. There was always a niece or nephew under the bed and an uncle and aunt sitting in the corner. It was almost like this family reunion, except they weren't there to catch up and eat hot dogs. They were there to watch this boy die. As a nurse, we do our, at least for me, as a nurse of kids, of children, I do my best to to kind of find them in the place they're at and be with him in that place. Because we're not just taking care of bodies, we're taking care of souls and hearts. And it was really hard for me to find a place where I could relate to Jason because he wasn't letting us in and he didn't want to let, let anybody in. You know, the only time he ever spoke was just a whisper into his dad's ear. And, you know, you always felt like there was a secret conversation happening. In any case, um, you know, about a week before he passed away, I somehow convinced him to let me give him a bath, you know, because he's this 15-year-old kid. Like, what could seem like more annoying and less important than taking a bath at that point, right? You just want to be there. But there was something that happened during that time. There was like this forced intimacy where we like, We're able to see each other. He saw me for the first time and somehow I saw him for the first time and it just like chilled me to the bone to like be able to be so close to somebody and to be vulnerable with them at the same time. And I remember we were in his room about an hour after that and it was dark. It was so quiet. You could hear the humming of the medication machine and I was charting just kind of watching him because he was having some oxygen problems. And then all of a sudden he said, David, And he had never said my name before. I don't think he even saw me as a person, but he said, David, do you have a cat? And I said, Jason, (laughs) um, yeah, we do have a cat, but we also have a toddler. So the cat does not get much attention these days. And then Jason said, we have cats too, but one of them got sick and we had to put her down. Mm. I said, Jason, that's so sad. I'm really sorry about your cat. And he said, it's okay, David, because if you love cats, you have to get used to them dying. And I kept hearing Mm. those words in my head over and over again. Until he died about a week later. And it was so clear to me that he was talking about himself. And he was talking about life. And that if you love life, you got to be okay with dying. Because that's part of life. I walked away from that moment. Like so sure that other people needed to see and hear kind of what mm-hmm. happened between these walls. And that's, that's how the book started.
3: <sighs> yeah. Sorry, <All> right. guys. <laughs> <laughs> we've, had, we've had some heavy conversations on this podcast. But i got to say that story is so powerful. I mean, thank you for sharing that. I think it takes a, a, a special kind of person, a special kind of provider to go into the field of oncology and to work with cancer patients, but specifically
1: working with children. What sort of led you into that, that career path? It was a complete accident, actually. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know what would fulfill me. I, I definitely knew what would not fulfill me. You know, before I was a nurse, I was a sculptor and I had a business with a few friends and we, you know, we made really beautiful things, but it wasn't really filling my cup as far as being a person in this world and being able to have a a true effect on other people. So I decided to go to nursing school, but I really had no idea if it would be a good thing for me. And um, I remember on the first day of my pediatric rotation and I walked into this room and this nurse said, can you please stay with this child? I didn't know what to do with this child. So I just picked her up and I started singing a song that I'd been working on in my ukulele. And all of a sudden she stopped crying. And it was that in that moment where I knew that I needed to be a pediatric oncology nurse. You know, it was one of those very clarifying moments where that I'm so grateful for because, you know, it's not very often that people get that opportunity to know what they're meant to do. And if you know where you're supposed to be, you can work hard to get there and work hard to be good at what you're doing.
2: Yeah, it has. We, we have started off on a pretty serious note But I do want to say your podcast, you do a really good job at injecting humor into some of the stories that you tell. And is that something that's important to you in your life when you're, I don't know, going home at the end of the day and maybe it was a particularly difficult day and and you've got to sort of digest what happened throughout the day and now switch modes to being at home and being a dad and being a husband is is. Is humor a, a part of making that transition for you?
1: I mean, humor is the way we deal with things that are hard. For me, the, the funniest things are not knock-knock jokes, although those are pretty good, <laughs> but they are kind of admitting what is messed up in the world and kind of sitting with that reality. As an oncology nurse, I'm used to being the most positive person in the room. I mean, I think that's the kind of person that's drawn to pediatric oncology. You know, you tend to find the positive things in life and the amount of humor and laughter and joy that I encounter working with sick kids and their parents is unbelievable. I feel like I just bounce between rooms, just enjoying these personalities, learning from them and laughing with them. You know, there's this sensation of listening to a child through your stethoscope and you hear their lungs and you hear their heart and you hear their stomach gurgling but you also hear their giggles and their laughs. And I think people sometimes forget that even when a kid is sick, even when they're dying, they're still living and they're still kind of growing and growing into themselves and bumping off of of things and learning how to be kids, even if that means it's going to be a short life. And there's such an incredible amount of humor that goes into that process. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as like how I make that transition from being at work to being at home, um, it is sometimes an incredibly graceless process. And that's, You know, a grave injustice to my kids and to my wife often, but you know, I think that I do them a service by showing them that I'm a person too. Um, But yeah, laughter—it's all about laughter. You know, I have another story that occurs in the book, and it's in a chapter called "The Ghost Fart." So, you know, a colleague told (laughs) me this story, and you know, it was about a teenager that she took care of, and you know, it was the kind of room where everybody was always laughing. You know, they really kind of were in touch with who they were and what they meant to each other. And they were just a funny, funny family. You know, there was always jostling going back and forth between the the patient who was a teenage boy, but he was a big guy. He was like six, six, and he was just kind of like a big teddy bear. And his, it was his stepdad in the room. And, you know, they weren't, they were like father and son. There was no, there was no step there. They were just connected. And my, my friend Kate was in the room late, late night taking labs. And she told me that she kind of had stomach problems at nighttime. So she farted on accident and she was just (laughs) hoping nobody would smell it. You know, it was one of those silent farts. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, the patient woke up and he said, dad, did you fart? And the dad said, no, man, that was you. I did not fart. And the son said, no, that was you. And then the dad said, mm, I think it was your nurse. And she <laughs> played off. She's like, oh, you boys are so gross. I would never do that. And, you know, she cleaned up her labs and, and left the room. <laughs> and two weeks later, this boy died. The boy's mom called Kate to the hospital and she said, just be with my son. Because when when a patient dies, a pediatric patient, you know, we often bathe their body. And, you know, there's this, this just ritual of respect and remembrance And she wanted Kate to be with her boy and to bring him down to the morgue. And she wanted Kate to be with him. She didn't want him to be alone. So she did it. She cared so much. She wanted. She came in on her day off and she was with this boy. And then, you know, a few weeks later, she went to the funeral, which is also something that she does not do. But she went and she saw the mom and she gave her a hug. And then she saw the dad and he also just pulled her into this giant bear hug. And she thought he feels just like his son, just this big, giant bear. And the dad brought his face close to her ear and he whispered, Kate, I know it was you. (laughs) I know you farted. And it was just this moment where, you know, it's just like human being human. And just like how you, she said, how how can you joke about a fart at your son's funeral? And he just could, because that's what he would have wanted. You know, there's so many funny things that happen. And the book is full of those things, those stories that just kind of break your heart and break your soul at the same time, but make you laugh.
2: That's, that's a, that's a very funny story.
1: Yeah. I mean, that relationship between nurse and patient, it's common. You know, we take care of these kids and we get to know them so well. Like, and then when these kids die, you know, it's being able to hold on to these funny moments though, and being able to laugh about it, that I think kind of strengthens these connections.
2: <clears throat> Where in the timeline of your career... Did your kids come into the picture? How long were you into your, your career when, when your kids came along?
1: I was about six years in.
2: What was that like? Did having kids of your own change the way that you went about your day at work?
1: Did it change oh, yeah. things for you in your career? I mean, it was nothing and everything. You know, I have to say that I made a fundamental shift when I had kids Not only in the obvious ways, I was exhausted, (laughs) Um, you know, but also like I, you learn so much more about kids when you actually have them in your house. It's funny. I could tell you lots of things about what a child with cancer is supposed to look like, but before I had kids, I had no idea what a normal child was supposed to look like. Hmm. So you, you know, you end up running into these weird situations where you're like, I don't know what to do. I am a highly trained pediatric oncology nurse and I don't know what to do <laughs> yeah. in this situation. And that is so humbling. I've definitely like called colleagues of mine who have older kids and like, uh, my child is like coughing and this is what's happening. And she's like, okay, take her to the hospital. She's got croup. So it's, <laughs> yeah, there was that that obvious education of kind of just learning what normal kids do. But, you know, the more subtle thing transformation that happened was from... Feeling sympathy for these families, these kids and their parents, to feeling true empathy. You can feel feel very sorry for a child who has cancer or or who is sick and you can mourn for their parents in a way that is not necessarily connected to them. But when you can truly put yourself in that situation, it is so empowering for you and them. And it really just changes the way you interact with them. I mean, I'm always talking about my kids. I love my kids, I'm proud of them. They're always on my mind. So I often bring them up. And I think when parents hear that their nurse has a child and often a child that's the same age as you know, their child in the hospital, it's like a calling card. It's like a, hey, you have kids, you know how they are. I trust <laughs> you. We're in this together. Yeah. We're in we this have together. This in common. Yeah, you know, we're in this in this together in our confusion, in our admittance that this is a crazy journey and that we don't always have to know what's going on, but we're there. You know, we're there together in the same place it's a great gift. I feel so much more empowered and so much more ready to do my job because I also am a father.
3: Obviously, with cancer care, the technology is changing, the science is updating, um, things are constantly improving, more research is being done. But also from a patient perspective, there seems to be this movement in the last, I don't know, you would know better than I would, but, you know, I've noticed it in the last seven or eight years that patients are just becoming much more involved in advocating for themselves throughout the the process of being cared for uh, by providers. What are some of the changes that you've seen? Or or I guess maybe the question is, have you seen changes in that time in your specific area of practice that have improved both patient outcomes and the type of care
1: that they're receiving? Yeah. I think it's so important to listen to patients um, and how we engage with them on their own terms, you know, is crucial. I can't say that I've seen a particular development in the field and, you know, in the short time that I've been a pediatric oncology nurse, which is only 13 years, because I feel like, you know, it's, it's a special place and, you know, the doctors always take care to to listen to patients and listen to their parents. But what I have seen, which is really interesting, is a doctor or young nurse come to the field and, you know, slowly learn over the course of five years how to relate to patients in a way that's truly effective. You know, you see these things on a very micro way with individuals. So that's really special. And, you know, with myself, you know, there's definitely been a trajectory where I've learned how to Listen to the patients in a way that is most conducive to like a a healthy environment.
3: Dads, you can find Nurse Pop of the podcast on all major platforms. Anywhere you can find modern dadhood, you can check out Nurse Papa the book at nursepopofthebook dot com and on Amazon. You could also find it on Amazon and we'll include links to David Metzger's social media accounts in the show notes. Now, uh, David, you shared with us that you love to hear from parents about what reading Nurse Papa meant to them, what they got out of
1: the book. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, Well, you can reach me at David at com. But yeah, just being able to hear from readers how this book affected them would be such a service to me.
2: David, um, it's been a pleasure. Um, your stories are fascinating. Um, I can't wait to read the book. Um, I love the podcast and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a listener and I'm going to keep listening. Uh, thank you so much for coming on to modern dadhood and for, for the conversation.
1: Mark Adam. Thanks so much. It was a great conversation. Thank you. friend what did you think about that interview okay it
0: was great papa but you could have talked about your kids more okay
1: (laughs) here's your chance what would you like all the people listening to this podcast to know about you
0: i want them to know my name um and i think i want them to know how old i am and what grade I want people to know about me and not, like, think, who is here to know that I'm actually someone who helps.
1: Well, you help me, and you definitely help your brother. But I'm not sure the world is ready to hear your names. How about I call you Child One?
0: Fine, Papa. Um, well, I guess I could tell them. I am Nurse Papa's daughter. Um, I have a brother named... He's in a few of the recordings and my cousin is too.
1: And child number two, what would you like the people to know what you're all about?
0: Playing with tiny Legos.
1: Playing with tiny Legos. Nice. See ya!
0: Goodbye!
1: Remember, Nurse Papa is also a book. Within it, you'll find stories that might just change how you look at life and indeed parenting. Nurse Papa has been my labor of love, but it offers much more than my own perspective. You'll learn from the voices of seasoned nurses, some of my young patients, and these patients' parents, each adding their own personal perspective about love, life, death, and learning. Nurse Papa is now available for purchase on Amazon and other bookseller sites. Please consider picking up a copy and, when you're done, leaving a public review on Amazon, Goodreads, or anywhere else where people go to find meaningful books. Thank you so much for your support, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Nurse Papa Podcast.